Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Well, I want to invite you to take your Bibles. Go with me to Genesis. Genesis chapter 6 this morning. We begin a new series called Running with the Giants. Running with the Giants. As you're turning there, as you can see, as you can see, we, we've changed our background just a little bit. We've got the construction, as, as Greg has said. I thought this was, we're talking about giants and talking about uh, the heroes of the faith, you know, uh, kind of springboarding off Hebrews chapter 12 that says, you know, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those witnesses we see in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about the heroes of the faith. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. I thought, what a great series to begin and have this setting behind us. We can do some faith exercises in the room. So I told one of our ladies Sunday school classes this week, we were going to have some trust falls. And we would have their husband and some men stand here as they fall from the scaffolding and catch them. You know, I didn't get a single one of them trusting their husband to catch them. So I'm not sure what that says. Maybe we need to do a series on marriages. I'm, I'm not sure. I said, what you said for better or for worse. And one of them said, that's the reason I won't let him catch me. But that's another series at another time. But anyhow, Genesis chapter 6. Uh, over the next few weeks, we want to just look at different heroes of the faith. Today, we'll look at Noah, a man who made a difference. I, I want to ask you, if I was to ask you this morning, who are some people that you can think of who are difference makers in this world? Who would you name? Obviously, you might name um, a president. You might name a, a family member. You might name a doctor that you know of. And if you think about it, an astronaut, a scientist, but if you really think about it, who would you name? Well, so I started thinking this week of some people I would name and did some researches and wondered who, who people have named. And if you start looking, there are top 100 lists out there of, of people, some, some good, some bad, um, you know. Difference makers, somebody put Hitler on a list, you know, whether you like him or not, he was a difference maker. Uh, he, he made us rethink things. So here's some people I think are difference makers. Abraham Lincoln. And you think about Abraham Lincoln and his Gettysburg, his Gettysburg address. He inspired a nation with his words. He was a noble Man, he was a man. You know, he, he came up, and he was not a person that was of any any character. I mean, he didn't come from rich family. I mean, he, he I mean he didn't do well. His business failed. His true love died. But he inspired a nation to abolish slavery. I think he was a difference maker. Rosa Parks, thinking of slavery. Rosa Parks is a person who, who again, I think, 
is another person who you could argue is a difference maker. Again, she, she was a nobody. Well, she grew up sickly. Uh, grew up with her grandparents. Uh, finally, one day, just had enough. In fact, her story, if you know her story, she was on the bus and more white people got on and the white section got full and the bus driver said, hey, you need to move. We're moving the white section even further back. And it was the same bus driver who put her off one day in the rain and said, I'm tired of you, get off. Sit in the rain. And she finally just said, enough's enough. Helen Keller. Right? Helen Keller is a difference maker. She reminded us that no matter what your conditions in life, you can still be somebody and make a difference. Even though she was deaf and blind, she learned to read and write. She became a champion for social issues and helping improve the welfare of people. Difference maker. And, and when she... When she started out, nobody would have thought that she would have been a person who could make a difference in people's lives. And then the last person, Billy Graham. Billy Graham. And, and, and as I set out to, to think, you know, I was thinking of all the people who, who've made a difference. I, 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 you know, I, there were several, Martin Luther. I was trying to think, okay, of all the people, if, if I was to pick one spiritual person, you know, not that I couldn't pick multiple spiritual persons. I was just trying to think of that list and, and just think of one spiritual person outside of Jesus. Now, let's, let's just be honest. If I was, you know, in Sunday school, I would somebody said, uh, what's the one difference maker? Jesus. You know, you, you always got to catch and get Jesus first before anybody else does because that's the Sunday school answer. But, but anyhow, but if I was picking a spiritual person, you know, there were a number of people, you know, Martin Luther would be one and a, a lot of guys, but Billy Graham, you know, Billy Graham's probably uh, one of, of many who has made a difference, a farm boy who grew up who's lived his life, his legacy of sharing the gospel. Uh, difference makers. People who, who have lived their life striving to be just who God called them to be. No one different, no, not trying to be something they're not, just got, who God called them to be in the moment in which they lived. And that's all any one of us can ask for. I mean, all of us are created in the image of God. All of us have been formed in his image. All of us are his children. He's not asked us to be anything but who he's made us to be. He's put us here in a time and a place to be his children, to make a difference in the world that we live in right here, right now, in the culture we live in. And the question is, are we making a difference? And so this series about running with the giants is all about that very thing. Because as we look at these people over the next six weeks, I want us to look at these individuals that oftentimes we look at and go, oh, they're just supernatural people, when really they are just ordinary people that God just said, 
I just need you. And in their ordinary life, they were obedient to God and God used them. No difference than God looking at you and saying, I just need to use you. And the question is, would we just be willing to be used by God? Are we a tool that God would use? So this morning, let's look at the life of Noah, a difference maker. And let's just evaluate our life and see what about Noah and how he lived and evaluate our life to the same principles. And then let's just be honest at the end and say, God, use us or God, we repent and we want to be used by you. Deal? Okay, thank you. Let's stand. Let's look at Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, beginning in verse 5, we'll read just uh, three verses. When the Lord saw that the human wickedness was widespread on the earth, and that every inclination of human mind was nothing but evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and he was deeply grieved. Then the Lord said, I will wipe out mankind, whom I created off the face of the earth, together with the animals, creatures that crawl, Birds of the sky, for I regret that I made them. Noah, however, found favor with the Lord. You may be seated. Interesting in those, those verses there, you find the Lord regretted those words twice. And he grieved. It makes you wonder how bad the situation was. And then it makes you call, it causes you to stop and think, what would he say today about how we are living in our culture today? For you and I both know that from this moment on, after the flood, God's promised never to do that again. But how is his heart towards our culture today? So here's our big idea today. You'll sit there in your worship guide if you're taking notes. God uses people to be difference makers in the lives of other people for his glory. God uses people to be difference makers in the lives of other people for his glory. So what I want to do is I want to look at three different things that we see in Noah's life. And help us as we think of these three different things. How, why is Noah a difference maker? Because when we read the text, when God looks down on the earth, he's just grieved. It's widespread. 
Wouldn't it have just been easier for God to say, let's start afresh? I mean, we've been there, right? Writing a term paper. You get so far, you got some good stuff in it, maybe. But not enough. You just wad it up or start all over. Start on a project. You, 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 there's some stuff you like about it, but not enough. You just just throw it away and start again. God could have done that. Why, why, why Noah? And not just Noah. We hear nothing about his family, but we know God rescues the family. So let's look at three things I think we find that gives us an idea why Noah is a difference maker. First thing is, and this goes for you and I, if we want to be a difference maker like Noah, is we got to concentrate on our relationship with God. Concentrate on our relationship with God. We know there in verse, verse 8 it says, it told us that Noah, however, found favor with God. But, but there's more to that story. There's more to that, that idea. Look at verse 9. Verse 9 says, These are the family records of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, a blameless among his contemporaries. Noah walked with God. There's three things in verse 9 that helps us understand why Noah is a difference maker. The first one is, if we look at verse 9, he's a righteous man. He's a righteous man. Now, righteous is an idea of moral character. In fact, this is the first time we find this idea in Scripture that God is calling someone a righteous person. He, he is, Noah is one of these people that he's got the moral character that God desires. Moral character. Gives us an idea that while the whole world is falling apart, Noah is still trying to do the right thing. In other words, just because everybody else is doing it, Noah says, I'm not going to do it. Parents, have you ever told your children just because everybody else is doing it, are you, why are you going to do it? And the, and the problem with that is, most of the time, we do it, right? Why? Because we fall into peer pressure because everybody else is doing it. But there was something about Noah that said, just because everybody else is doing it, I don't, I'm not going to do it. We live in a world that has got a fallen moral character, and now we have a world that says, it's okay, because everybody else is doing it, it must be fine. Noah, Noah was a righteous person. He, he would give in because he knew there's a difference between right and wrong. We live in a world that we like to blur that line. We live in a world of justification. 
Justification means I, I can, if I, if I talk myself, I can talk myself into thinking this is okay. It, it, I, I think it's okay if I do this. If, if I think about it long and hard, if this is okay, it's not morally wrong for me to do it this way. Listen, if we got to think about it that long and hard, if we got to talk ourselves into it, it's wrong, right? Noah was a righteous person. Second thing we find in this text, you'll see there, is blameless. The text tells us blameless. Now, understand blameless is not sinless, right? Sinless would mean he never sinned. But the Bible tells us, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we know that Noah sinned. Blameless. In other words, that when people do business with Noah, he's blameless. Means Noah's word means he's good for what he says. I love the stories I used to hear from my grandfathers and other people. You used to can make a deal on a handshake. I've heard others talk about buying a car on a handshake, taking a loan out of a bank on a phone call and a, and a handshake. Show of hands, anybody today ever take a loan out of a bank on a phone call and a handshake? Yeah, it's not, not, not that common anymore, is it? But there was a period of time when your word meant your bond. And we, we don't have that anymore. Noah was blameless. That third word we find in this text was Noah walked with God. He walked with God. Meaning there was a, a conversation, meaning he, he, he had a relationship with God. Meaning there was this, this ongoing relationship, conversation, heart with God. In other words, here's how this plays out. If you want to be blameless with God, you have to start walking with God. When you walk with God on a regular basis, you become blameless. When you become blameless, you become righteous. You don't get to be righteous or blameless without walking with God. It starts with walking with God, then you become, you come to a point where you're blameless, and then you become righteous. It's a growth process, but it all begins with the relationship of walking with God, and it moves in that direction. There's the key for Noah. Noah, the reason God looks down and finds favor with Noah is because there's this relationship, this aspect that Noah has with God. Several years ago, uh, early in my ministry, I had a student give a testimony. He, he gave his testimony about having a girlfriend for one, for one day. 
He said, I had a girlfriend for one day. And I realized after that was the reason I only had a girlfriend for one day was because I learned that you had to talk to a girl. If you don't talk to a girl, there's no relationship with a girl. And I laughed because I thought, well, he finally got it. It's the same way with God. If you're going to have a relationship with God, you've got to walk with God. You've got to have that relationship with God. Walking with God day by day leads you to a blameless lifestyle. Because in that walk, you understand what that looks like. It means your word is your bond. It means that you understand what truth is and you live by truth. Leads you to be a righteous person. The second thing we find about Noah is Noah trusted God's promises. Noah trusted God's promises. Now we know the story with Noah. God comes along and he tells Noah about the wickedness on the earth and that he's going to send rain. And, and I always, there are moments in scripture that I wish we had more details in because this is one of those conversations that I would have loved to have the more details. Noah, yes, God, I'm going to send rain. Great, God. God, yes, Noah, what's rain? Well, rain's at water. Well, okay, God, thanks. God, yes, Noah, what's water called rain? Well, it's water from the sky. Okay, God. God, yes, Noah. What's water from the sky look like? Well, it's going to fall from the sky. Okay, God, thanks. God, yes, Noah. What does it mean, water going to fall from the sky? Noah, just do what I ask. <laughs> you know, I just, wanted, I just would love to hear that conversation. You know, but here's the thing. We, we don't have all that conversation, but what we have is an understanding that Noah does what God wants him to do. That's what we've got. A faith that says, God, you know best. And so I'm going to do it. And can you imagine the conversations going around town? Hey, have y'all seen what Noah's doing? Now, listen, how many visited the ark in uh, northern Kentucky? Anybody been there? Listen, I have this image of what I thought that would look like until I went. That's a big old boat. I mean, I, 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 that's just a big old boat. And, and to think about what Noah did and how he did that, it's massive. And to think... What's all the neighbors thinking? What, what, are they, what are they going through? Hey, he's lost his ever-loving mind. What's he going to do with that thing? He'll never get that thing to the water. But we find that Noah trusted God's promises. Uh, look at verse 18. God says, but I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark with your sons your wife and your son's wife now we read the word covenant there it's the many people say it's the first time we find that word covenant used in scripture and it is the first time we find the word although the the relationship the covenant 
relationship's kind of been there since Adam and Eve. It's probably the first time we hear the word, but the covenant relationship's kind of been an ongoing relationship with God and his people. But here's the thing. Noah, here's what I want you to do. And I'm, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm going to do for you. Here's what faith looks like. Faith looks like stepping out on nothing and, and realize, realizing I'm there to hold you up. I'm there when nothing else seems possible. And so Noah trusts God's promises. When it seems impossible, when it seems crazy, when it seems like no one else would do such a crazy thing, when it seems like only God would lead you to do it, it's trusting in God's promises. Noah trusting God's promises. Because who else would? I mean, why, why, who else would do such a crazy thing? Who else would talk about water falling from a sky? And you and I, we, we take that from granted. But they had never seen such a thing. You and I, I mean, we, we, can, we understand droughts because we've gone days without water and know that what the earth looks like and needs water. But at the same time, we also understand what water falling from the sky called rain looks like. But they didn't. That had been unheard of. And Noah said, yes, Lord. So it's trusting in God's promises. The third thing we find here is obeying everything God asks you. Obeying everything God asks. Not coming to a place to say, well, okay, God, I'll do this, but not this. We read the Old Testament, we find there are certain times in the Old Testament, God's people go, okay, I'll obey this, but I'm not going to do this. We're going to take this city, we're going to do this, but we're going to keep the plunder, even though God said, don't keep the plunder. Or we're going to do this, but we're going to keep this. Or we're going to do this, and we'll do this. When God calls us to do something, if we're going to be difference makers, it means we're going to do everything God calls us to do, no matter how uncomfortable it is, when he calls. Because it's, it's obeying and trusting his promises, because when he calls, we're to obey. Noah did that. Look at verse 22. Verse 22 says, and Noah did this, he did everything God had commanded him. Everything. You know what the word everything means? In the Hebrew, it is a special meaning. It means everything. It's real simple. It means all. Leaves nothing out. Everything. So what, what are the lessons we can learn from Noah? Well, let me share some lessons from Noah that I think as we translate uh, Noah's life to our life, when we think about being difference makers, when we think about how we should evaluate our life and what we're doing for, for the kingdom of God while we're here on this, 
um, this moment, while we live in Glasgow, Kentucky, while we're a part of what God's doing in our community. Let me give you, give you a couple takeaways, or three takeaways. First one is don't be afraid to stand out in the crowd. Don't be afraid to stand out in the crowd. We know we live in a culture that wants to constantly compromise the truth. We know we live in a culture that constantly wants to, to redefine what truth looks like. We know we live in a culture that wants to redefine things from marriage to gender to the gospel. And we either have the opportunity to go along with the crowd or stand out in the crowd. Don't be afraid to stand out. Don't be afraid to be different. If we don't stand out, then what good's the gospel doing in your life? If you're unwilling to stand up for the gospel, then then that means, are you ashamed of the gospel? And if you're ashamed of the gospel, do you think God's going to be ashamed of you on that day when, when you stand before him? Could he say, depart from me, I know you not. So, don't be afraid to stand out in a crowd. Now, now, Hear, hear me carefully. When I say stand out in the crowd, um, I, I don't mean with a megaphone. I don't mean with being ugly. When we read the scriptures, when we see Jesus, we don't ever see Jesus being ugly. We don't ever see Jesus um, being, being um, disrespectful. We always see him standing out in the crowd doing it in a loving, compassionate way. So make sure when we stand out in a crowd, we do it lovingly. We do it in a way that, 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 that he'd be proud. Second thing is, don't be afraid to do something for the first time. Don't be afraid to do something for the first time. Here, here again, no, I want you to build a boat. I want you to build a boat because it's going to rain. Sure, God. I want you to build this boat. Because it's about to rain. And I'm going to give you the dimensions. And here's what I want you to do. And all these things. It's never been done before. But I want you to do it. Sometimes we're afraid to do something for the first time. Oftentimes, we want somebody else to do it. Oftentimes, we get mad at churches or we leave churches or, or we get disgusted at churches because they just won't do something or we wish their ministry would be different or we wish, we wish they'd grow at a certain age group because, because they don't have the certain age group we're going to leave because, well, because they're just not meeting our needs. And the funny thing is, I always want to look at them and go, but that's your age group and you've got, you got those friends. You're the ones hanging out with those people. Why, why don't you invite your friends? Why don't you, why, why don't you help us? 
Won't you invite your friends? Won't you be a part of the solution versus leaving? Don't be afraid to do something for the first time. Won't you take, won't you take the lead? It's always funny for me to go, Pastor, to hear these conversations. Pastor, we, we have something we'd love for, for the church to consider doing, but, but we don't really want to do it. Now listen, I'm going to listen to you and, and hear you. And it might be something we can be a part of and do. But a lot of times it has to go in a file for another time because if you're unwilling to do it, I don't know who is. Because if God's laid it on your heart, it may be you that he's calling for you to step out and do. So don't be afraid to do something for the first time. He's calling all of us to be a part of something. He's calling all of us to be difference makers. He's calling all of us to make a difference in the kingdom. The third thing I want you to remember from Noah is, don't forget when you see a rainbow, God used the one, one person who can make a difference. Now, I don't take credit for this, this point. I heard this point from someone else that I liked it. Don't forget when you see a rainbow, God can use one person to make a difference. When Noah was faithful, God used him. At the end of that journey, at the end of all of that, God made a covenant with him. And he put it in the sky. And it's a rainbow that you and I still see to this day. It's a reminder to you and I of that love that he has for mankind. But it's also a reminder that a difference maker is God used. Noah. You know, there's another difference maker. Throughout Scripture, God's used so many difference makers, and we'll look at different different ones who changed the world. But there was a point in history when God finally said, enough's enough, I'm going to send my one and only son. And at that moment, when Jesus came into this world, he came so that he can make a difference in your life and my life. So that we could be changed forever. So that we could be difference makers. So that the gospel could take root in our life. So that we could go proclaim the gospel and make a difference in somebody else's life. Because the truth of the matter is, if you're here this morning and you've confessed Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, somebody shared the gospel with you. Somebody told you about Jesus. Somebody loved you enough to tell you God loved you. That somebody was a difference maker. That somebody loved you. And what a difference that's made in your life.
I love seeing the gospel go forth. I love watching people come to know Christ. Carly, today will be your first time receiving the Lord's Supper, and it'll be an exciting moment for you to do that. What a great day that'll be for, for you all to enjoy that. Difference makers who've told you about Christ. This week I watched Hallie be baptized. What a great day, what a great moment that was. Uh, and that news, and as you got to see that be a part of that difference maker, somebody shared the gospel. People in this room were influential in that. Difference makers tell people about Jesus. Jesus came, died on a cross for our sins so that we could go tell others about Jesus so that we could be difference makers.